and welcome to Pedagodzilla, the pedagogic podcast with the pop culture core. So in this episode, we will be answering the bloody stupid question, how can two and a half years of pedagogic podcasting help us examine an amnesiac hitman? I'm Mike Collins, I'm a learning designer at the Open University, uh, imposter syndrome incarnate and a man with a microphone. And joining me today to help me answer this question, we have... And I'm Mark Childs, I'm a senior learning designer from Durham University. Any, uh, any qualifications? To yeah, no, no, I'm not doing them because last time you all went, ooh, <laughs> and now I'm really self-conscious about it. I'm going to go, uh, I'm oh, going to say, so impressed and about it. I'm a National Teaching Fellow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, good for you. Oh, okay, you didn't go, I thought you'd been go, ooh. You should, you, you should be proud of your achievement. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm actually going to edit in a small fanfare. <laughs> I'm Dom Jordan. I'm a digital production coordinator at the Open University. Um, and I feel I should make it clear up front that I have no qualifications for teaching or for philosophy. Uh, I, I have just a squandered illustration degree. I mean, you are also an artist, a prolific artist at that. Well, I, I mean, artist implies that it's like a career, really, though, doesn't it? Or at least that I'm that I uh, get paid for it. Is artist of a, is is artist a profession? Well, I it, suppose it is. I, I was I wasn't sure it was like a calling. You sound like my uh, careers advisor in secondary school. <laughs> <laughs> if you make art, you're an artist. Don't tell. Let anyone tell you anything else. Okay, Do you well, I'll, 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 I'll go over again then. I'm I'm Dom Jordan. I'm an artist. <laughs> I mean, do you actually do art? Because that's the difference. Is a lot of people. I do, like, I'm a I writer, do, but I never write anything. <laughs> I do drawings. Um, I think whether or not you call them art is that's subjective. Did you see in the papers this week? Uh, I think it was like Norway or something paid yes. somebody to do um, paid somebody to do a recreation of exhibition, and he seventy three thousand pounds. Yeah, submitted a load of blank canvases entitled "Took the Money and Run," which I thought was just fantastic. <laughs> wow, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, and they're now like, "We want our money back," and he's like, "I gave you the art, <laughs> and I have run." Yeah, it's uh, oh, it really tickled me. Anyway, so uh, how can an amnesiac hitman help us reflect on two years or two and a half years of pedagogic podcasting? Well, the short answer is Dom's creation, fun philosophy, uh, and the long answer is basically going to be the rest of this episode. So, Dom, could you just tell us a little bit about what fun philosophy is, uh, where it came from, and why you do it? So, basically, when I started uh, in in the role of digital production coordinator, I uh, was going to be managing people and that meant weekly team meetings and that meant people staring at me expectantly from down a table. Um, so really, philosophy started from the, the abject terror that I felt uh, regularly <laughs> chairing meetings, uh, particularly ones without any kind of official structure. So I found that it's basically a really good pressure-reducing mechanism to have a script to work from. So I wanted some kind of uh, feature each week for the... Um, for the meeting to avoid any kind of like uh, painful small talk or awkward silences. Um, and I was just interested in philosophy and I figured it's something that everyone would have an opinion on, you know, the different topics. Everyone can always say whether they agree or disagree. So I just decided to make that a, a weekly feature of the, of the team meetings, I called it fun philosophy, semi ironically. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's helped me learn more philosophy because it's really hard to teach something um, that you you haven't completely cemented your own uh, learning of. I've found. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, an activity that has philosophy as the focal point, 
a discussion where you're introducing it um, and then kind of putting it out there for, for your team members to, to discuss. Yeah. And um, I mean, one of the things that I use that is related to philosophy is the Socratic method, which is um, basically where you, you ask someone a question, um, then you interrogate their answer and you continue to do so until they've actually gotten to what they actually think or they've gotten to the to the crux of it. And I find that can be uh, really useful in doing these because if if someone just says, oh, I think this, then it's it's a really good way of A, filling time and B, getting a better answer to say, um, well, can you expand on that? Or well, why do you think that? Or well, what if this was the case instead? So I've gotten better at that just through doing it. We've asked Dom uh, to take Mark and I through an example of one of his philosophies. Uh, and that's actually going to be where the amnesiac hitman comes in, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. So we'll go through it, uh, and then Mark and I afterwards will take a look at it and see what pedagogies we've covered over the last 33 episodes of podcasting uh, and what we're seeing reflected within it. And then we'll score Dom on pedagogic points out of 10. Oh, no. Oh, we won't. only kidding. <laughs> um, also, I've just realised that, Mark, we've not covered the Socratic method at all. Um, in any of our episodes yet. It feels like uh, we've missed something. Okay, well, we could do one on, on that. I I don't know a huge amount about it. I've read Plato's The Republic, which is basically a really lengthy piss take of the Socratic method, so that would be quite a good one to, to pick apart. And it's science fiction, so that would be neat. Yeah, technically it's nerdy. <laughs> I think it hits two nerdy things. It's a kind of classical classics literature and it's science fiction and it's parody. So there you go, there's three nerd areas all in one so uh, i might need to brush upon it a bit but we could we could have a little dig go on socratic method yeah that'd be cool so hang on sorry it's science fiction but it's also ye oldie worldie so they're like talking about stone spaceships and things. no basically what he's doing is he's taking is plato saying okay so you believe this and this therefore what about this and so each time he kind of projects it into it's basically your what if scenario which is the core of any science fiction and then expanding into this is therefore the utopian sort of society that would result of what you're suggesting and that utopia is actually pretty awful (laughs) so he's basically using that as a way to undermine their ideas basically so oh so this would work so and then that and then that and then we go and you end Which, up with something that's supposed to be self-evidently i think people think he's a fascist or whatever and he's proposing all these as actually literally good utopias but i mean i'm his philosopher king's model yeah oh okay right ah oh, now i'm already out of my depth ah <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, yeah, I think we, we definitely have to tackle it. Yeah, uh, I mean, that is it. It's, it's good. It's good. It's, it is speculative fiction. But, I mean, by by doing the thing of presenting things one by one to be knocked down, unless you're viewing it as a straw man, then that in itself is engaging in the Socratic method. I think we might need to have you on for this episode, Dom. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we're getting desperately off topic. Dom, could you please take it away? Could you take us through one of your fun philosophy sessions? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we're going to be thinking about uh, identity and ethics. So uh, to start off, we'll touch on John Locke's thought experiment, The Prince and the Cobbler. In case you've not heard of it, the the idea is as follows. If one morning the minds of a cobbler and a prince were swapped, who is who? So first off, what do you think? I'm going to say my my, my knee-jerk reaction is the prince is the cobbler and the cobbler is the prince, assuming that you're defining people by their profession. 
No, that would be. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's the only information I've given you, certainly. Oh, I see. So yes, because of course you'd have the mind of the cobbler in the prince, but then the then princeliness is actually engendered in the body of someone, isn't it? I guess in that everybody would recognise the prince as the as the body of the prince, but you'd have the identity of the cobbler inside the body of the prince, and vice versa. Oh yeah, but I suppose that's a really good one because yeah, you're right. Princeliness is something that you you're literally born into your flesh. You are you are a prince because of your flesh. Whereas a cobbler is surely in the mind because that's a skill. That's that's your years of experience of cobbling. So basically, you'd have a prince cobbler and you'd have a nobody. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> you'd have a prince who's really good with shoes, and then a <laughs> a, a, a spoiled idiot who lives in a hovel. Yeah, but um. Yeah, so so most people would say the the cobbler woke up in the prince's body, and vice versa, um, which uh, basically tells us that the identity is based on our consciousness more than our physical body. So although our external identity, how people view us, is obviously very much based on 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 how we look um, to a to a tragic extent, uh, our own personal identity is uh is is more more uh, wrapped up in our consciousness than in our physical bodies so what we think of as our consciousness which forms our identity uh relies on our memories the memories of our thoughts actions decisions and experiences builds and shapes our identity personality is in flux and ultimately changeable based on how we think and what we do so if someone completely loses their memory we don't think of them as a new person we tell them who they were and help them regain their memories and rebuild them into the person they were before they got amnesia. However, it could easily be argued that this person entirely lost their identity along with their memories and that we are making them into a copy of their old selves rather than fixing them. We're not reminding them who they are, we're making them into who they were. So without external input uh, from other people, photographs, their diaries, that sort of thing, that person would form a brand new identity. They would, in effect, become a different person, and the old them would have ceased to exist as effectively as if they'd died. Uh, so a new person is now walking around just with the same body as someone else who no longer exists. Are you, are you with me? Yeah. yeah I'm thinking I'm following. Yeah. In fact, because your body is actually only sort of seven years old maximum, because your cells are constantly regenerating, even your body isn't the same as it was seven years ago. So the only thing that continues is your memory and that sense of self. But even that's constantly changing because our memories are inexact. So basically, yeah. we on it's, the person we were seven years ago doesn't exist at all anymore. And who yeah, we are now hasn't been around for more than a few years anyway, because that person just isn't around. Is, we just happen to be inhabiting somehow the um, the same all more or less shell. It's like, you know, um, Ship of Theseus or um, Trigger's Brew. Yeah. 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 Theseus, but with um, a sort of a meat robot. Well, no, I mean, definitely that is, I think, I think uh, Theseus' ship is a really good, uh, a really good way of discussing uh, identity because it proves that the only, only constant to our identity is our narrative. Um, and without that narrative, which is, quite often fictional or certainly subjective uh, we don't really have any identity but i'll move on to the scenario that we're going to be considering today so there's a hitman working for the mob 
he is sadistic and brutal, killing anyone without hesitation or guilt. One day, he is shot in the head and falls into the ocean. He doesn't die, however. He wakes up on a beach with no memory whatsoever of who he used to be. Without any leads or clues to his old life, he becomes a fisherman and settles in quickly to the small coastal community. He is grateful to the villagers who help him and is friendly and helpful in return. He quickly becomes well-known in the village as a good guy and a pillar of the community. He is, to all extents and purposes, a saint, loved by all for being so selfless, peaceful and upbeat. He is a new man. Then, one day, the tranquility is shattered when he's tracked down by the law. He's arrested, taken to court and charged with multiple counts of murder. There are lots of witnesses who will testify about inhuman acts of sadism. However, he explains about waking up without any memories. Through science fiction neuroscans, the court are able to confirm that he lost <laughs> the entirety of his memory without a doubt. So, putting aside laws and the legal side of things, instead considering only the philosophical ethics, should this man be punished for the crimes the mob hitman committed? If identity is built from memory, is this not a literal different person to the one who was a murderer? His hands may have committed the atrocities, but did he? What do we think? Um... No, that person died when he was shot in there. When the although the the body continues, that identity is gone. He in fact died when he was shot in the head, even though his body didn't. So yeah, I would say no. He's not responsible. He's not li- liable for any of that. Really, he's a new, completely new person. There is definitely a natural instinct that goes against that, though. Like kind of the little animal bit of my brain is very much kind of like he should be punished. The law, like you know, regardless of. You know, even though you've got the science fiction Euroscan that says his memory has totally been wiped. And so if it wasn't for it's that, kind of, if you just had like, to take his word for it, you would you would definitely uh, lock him up for life. Oh, probably, yeah. That's assuming there wasn't anything more drastic kind of in whatever jurisdiction I was, uh, I was operating in. But no, um, I mean... No, I mean, I, 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 I actually, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I just, yeah, it's, uh, there's something, it doesn't, it doesn't sit 100% comfortably, but that's probably just because I've got a little bit of daily mail in my blood somewhere. <laughs> I mean, this is... Like criminals must be punished. I mean, this is what, you know, uh, Days of Future Past, the X-Men movie, mm. and they send yeah. Wolverine back in time to inhabit his body. But basically, the Wolverine that was in that timeline is gone. He's killed. I mean, he's killed. I mean, he comes yeah. back, basically. And then, sort of 20 years later, basically, Wolverine, that conscious consciousness that we're following, um, jumps forward 20 years, and... Um, and then permanently kills the Wolverine whose consciousness was inhabiting that body. And then Professor X comes up and goes, ah, Logan, my old friend. And I'm thinking, hang on, but didn't he make friends with a Logan that was in that body before our Wolverine jumped into it? And what kind of a douchebag must he have been for Professor X to be all going, ah, okay, this is the Logan I like. He's just murdered somebody that was a teacher at my school. Yeah, the real one. Finally, the real one's turned up. I've spent yeah. 10 years hanging out with this bland guy I've got nothing in common with. Finally, <laughs> the one with all the shared experience has turned up. It was yeah. worth hiring this this unstable, boring man. Except he doesn't have all the shared experience because he only knew him very, very briefly during the few hours that you know Days of Future Past was running. 
because the yeah, one well, he days, knew few, was a few days, I assume. Yeah, a few days. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been hours of future past. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we we we. I think we might have, we underestimate the role of consciousness in that. You know, we're swapping consciousnesses around, and that's where the real identity is. I mean, like altered carbon and all that. It's the consciousness yeah. isn't is the uh, person. Yeah. It's not the sleeve. Have you seen uh, Source Code, the Duncan Jones film? No, I haven't. No. Well, um, I won't go too much into it then because it's a film with twists. But there is there is a, a character who um, has his consciousness in in someone else's body. I can't remember if the body was stolen or or just you know free to to have. But the fact is, the the film posits it that oh, you know, he's he's himself again in a new body. But I can't imagine the the identity crisis you'd have with just looking in the mirror and going, "That's not me." Because it's gonna, it have to be just such a. I mean, that sort of mental adjustment, I think, would just would, would prompt dissociative disorders and and whatnot. In just having to, because we rely on on the narrative so much that we have to externalize it. Literally reading a book on this at the moment, um, a closed and common orbit. It's the second Wayfarer book, uh, Becky Chambers, and like the focus of the whole book is an AI who used to be in a, a sentient sapient AI that used to be in a ship has been bunged into an illegal um, flesh suit, like a person suit, and is just suffering from massive body disassociation. I'm really, I'm really swung around on the argument, actually. I think, the uh, weirdly, the altered carbon connection is like, yeah, I'm actually 100% in agreement. I, just, I, I wonder, in, you know, in this situation where you've got the, sort of the court and the victims and everybody, the amnesiac hitmen, I wonder, I wonder how on earth you would ever communicate that judgment without um, the poor person being ripped to shreds by grieving uh, angry families. families yeah, and, definitely. And, Exactly. Like how like people will still demand their pound of flesh. Do you do you let them all go around and have one spank or something? I mean Well technically what, what happens? How do you how do you resolve that for well, them? Well, I mean they have that person is dead. I was gonna say. say they have to accept, maybe just show them the footage over and over of the guy catching a bullet in the head and going into the ocean, because that's when he died. Yeah, gosh. What if he came back? What if he wolverined and came back? I mean brains don't work that way, but you never know. Um then I, I suppose at that point he'd be ready to face justice. Isn't this the plot of um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Total Recall. (laughs) Ironically, I could not remember the name of Total Recall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I mean, in in Total Recall, he had his, yeah, he had his memories removed so he could retire, I think. So he could go undercover. And, oh, is he undercover? I haven't seen that film in years. I saw the the god-awful Colin Farrell remake that takes out all of the fun stuff. Not recommended. Uh, yeah, but then he goes to like uh, he goes on holiday in someone's memories, and that acts, that process accidentally triggers his old memories or something. Is that's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He it's supposed to be a fake one, and it's not a fake, and so therefore um, it's supposed to trigger the memories. But that at the end, you just get the impression that's all just a way to make the experience more authentic, and it really all is just fake, and he's still in the dream, so to speak. Oh, spoiler, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and there's there's a woman with three boobs. That's the bit everybody remembers. And the bit where he's on uh, the bit where they're in Mars and his eyes are coming out. That's, yes, that's God. a good bit. That's horrendous. Oh, it's a mate. It's an incredible piece of VF, of like, video effects. effects. Yeah, nice, yeah, nice prosthetic. However, this is. I mean, my my scenario of the Amnesiac Hitman is also quite similar to a film called Headshot. I think. Which is a uh, an eco UI film 
uh, except in that it's the the mob who are trying to find him, not the law. And I mean, they don't really go into the philosophy philosophy of it in the film. Uh, he basically just kills every member of the syndicate he used to work for. Um, and then I think he goes back to being a fisherman. So I guess that was a, a simpler answer. What would be the next step for philosophy then? Uh, what you mean, like w- w- which which steps are between now and and profit? Or is this what you would do in a philosophy? Does it? Yeah, I mean, it does. Yeah, it, it generally does devolve into um, people reaching for pop culture references because that is the easiest way we have. People, you know, if you come up with another example, then you can contrast them. Uh, I mean, generally, it would tie off with final thoughts. So, I mean, this one was 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 quite. There wasn't much conf- conflict in opinions. So. Um, you know, we uh, we smashed it, um, but yeah. Do you have, do we do you have any final thoughts about uh, what we've what we've talked about with um, in regards to this question of identity? Yeah, I think one is you've got a science fiction type neuroscanner thing, and I often find these philosophical questions come down to the application of a completely non realistic scenario. <laughs> in that you can absolutely tell that this person is not faking it. Well, you can't do that in real life. So you have all these grand philosophical positions that based on what if this, this, and this, but then those scenarios don't play out in a practical way and therefore yeah. may not be quite as useful as you might think they are, as one might think they you are. are. You're, you're, com- you're completely right. I mean, it is just a, it's a, it's a game of ethics because it's not applicable for that reason. And that is one thing I found with doing philosophy is that I, I appreciate you both playing along with my game because I have come across people who just say, well, that couldn't happen. And I go, no, but but what if it did? And they go, well, there's no point thinking about it because it can't. They don't have that technology. And I'm just, <laughs> oh, just please commit to the game. Anyway, Mike. Um, yeah, sorry, my final thoughts. Um, yeah, and no, I just really liked being um, led through the scenario and considering these things in a way that I normally wouldn't because it's one thing to be asked, as you say, what do you think a person's identity is? Where do you think that kind of exists? What do you think the ethics are around this kind of thing? And then it's actually kind of walking through the scenario and going, ooh, okay, this is the way, this is making me consider it in a way that I otherwise wouldn't have, but it's very accessible. It's nice and imaginable. I am, as you've noticed, as we've done, able to kind of pin it to uh, pop culture things that, uh, that I'm aware of. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a fun activity. It's a fun and accessible way to discuss philosophy. That's my final thought. Which I suppose you could shorten to fun philosophy. <laughs> no, seems lazy. <laughs> okay, so Dom, thanks very much for taking us through your fun philosophy activity. Now, before Mark and I use it as a lens to, um, uh, sorry, as a lens, as a case study, as a reflective point, no, as a or lens. something, stick the uh, lens re- as a lens. Yeah. Why well, see, I. Th- I was. I had a word I was going to use earlier, um, and then didn't because it didn't sound good. But I was going to say we could look at it through our pedagogues, um, but pedagogues sound just a little bit too close to something unsavoury. Yes, I suppose so. I did. I did like it at first, but yeah. Now you say that, it's hard not hard not to think of that. Yeah, I wouldn't put it in like episode crawl text in case it kind of you know also corrected attracted the wrong audience. Yeah. So, um, but before we get into that, um, well, how have you found it as an experience preparing these, and how have you found doing these kind of activities with your team what's the response been well i mean preparing it has gotten i mean i've gotten more used to how to prepare it in that either it's uh, a few hours before i'm supposed to be running it and i have to just go on to the the stanford 
uh, portal of philosophy and just keep clicking random article until I find something that I feel like I could uh, go through that would be interesting to learn. Or I think of something from the other side where I think of the the, the case study and then look up any philosophy I'm unsure of to go with it. Like I was uh, watching The Next Generation the other day and I was thinking about how the Prime Directive has really changed from how it was intended as the in the original series, which was as a, as a, as a foil that they always overrode Whereas then in the um, in the next generation, it's become very dogmatic, and I thought that was interesting to reflect how the philosophy of the writers and the in-universe philosophy has changed between those two. So it comes from either direction, and then yeah, I just uh, I write myself out uh, notes, or if I'm doing it um, via text, then I write out a full full script so I can just paste it in. So I mean, what would you say you get out of it? What would you say your team's reaction has been to it? I what I get out of it is. I, I do genuinely enjoy having those sorts of discussions with people. So I've manufactured a way of making people ha- have enjoyable conversations with me. So I, I find that uh, very fulfilling. And I, I've i learned a lot. And like I know hundreds of times more philosophy than I did when I started. When I started, I, I was like, oh, Nietzsche, what a great guy. And the trolley problem, isn't that fun? And now I've uh, really come on a lot. and. Um, so I feel like I've actually grown as a person because I think the key to uh, philosophy is um, is working out what's important to you. I think that's the main application of it is avoiding the the unexamined life um, and knowing what what philosophies you hold dear because they reflect into your politics, into every aspect of your life. They're foundational. Um, so learning about more has made me consider my stance and everything. So I've found that really fulfilling. And the feedback from my team has been very good. I got a I got a um, a gem award for it um, because they uh, congrats. They all thought it was uh, it was really neat. So yeah, overall feedback's been been very good. Yeah, people look forward to it, which is what I wanted. Yeah, do they feel they're learning from it as well? I hope so. I mean, um, I know now that they can they will reference um, other other topics. They will say, "Oh, this is connected to." You know, like I'll be discussing something to do with existentialism and they'll say, oh, well, utilitarianism comes in here. And so, uh, I mean, definitely it's, it's going in. So, yeah, I mean, even if it is just something they enjoy chatting about on a Thursday afternoon rather than taking it any further, I still think that's a good thing because I think, I think philosophy is valuable. Okay, so Mark, are you ready to apply some uh, 33 episodes worth of pedagogic lenses to this? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be. Okay, so <laughs> sorry that was that was as enthusiastic as it could have been. Yeah, let's go for it, Mike. <laughs> well, okay then, Mark. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the pedagogic police here to solve another crime. Whoa, it's been a murder. Um, <laughs> that was a, I, that, I don't know what, how what that started as, but it definitely finished as something different. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it started like a really good kids show, um, and then turned into a really sad Channel Five show that finished like after two episodes. Okay, so I while we were going through that, I made a little list of some of the pedagogies we've covered in the show so far and how I thought they were reflected in what we went through. Shall I just start going through these? Yeah. Okay, because if anything, Mark, I want you to sense check me on this because this is... So we've talked about sort of, you know, Dom and the team learning about things and uh, discussing and unpacking ideas uh, to kind of, you know, to have these conversations and to learn about philosophy, but... Um, yeah, this is this is if anything, this is me going through everything that Mark and I have been talking about for the last sort of bazillion thirty-three episodes and seeing what's actually stuck. So, uh, I would say I would suggest that 
for Dom, there is an element of constructionism at work in that the kind of the the research and the creation of these activities is helping to build his own understanding of the subject. There's social constructivism between himself and the team as they're discussing these ideas and actually building um, understandings between themselves of what their own kind of stances are around these ethics and, and how they uh, frame and, and describe those. I'd suggest there's a little bit of community of practice in there because, um, as Dom alluded to at the beginning, it originally started out as being a way to communicate better with his team and to be able to have these kinds of like, you know, an engaging conversation. It's an engaging kind of team activity, which in turn helps bring the team close together into a place where you can uh, sort of work and learn together from each other more. Um, even if the actual kind of the prac, the uh, the question and the learning at hand aren't directly related to the practice, I think this would definitely be something that would help you kind of move through uh, those uh, was it spheres that we described before. Was, was it boundary object? Oh, I can't remember the precise name. I think we've got a little bit of um, constructivism as well because it's kind of it's pinning uh, the the ideas uh, and the situations and the kind of yeah, the ethical concepts to familiar and accessible concepts. So where you have um, you know, everybody everybody can picture an amnesiac hitman becoming a fisherman, and you know we're all familiar with Total Recall. We can we can engage in those discussions. We can pin these ideas to things that are familiar to us, uh, as opposed to, for example, going through uh, a, like a six book long uh, philosophical thesis on it, which may make less sense. The the practical aspects of this have been tied to uh, things which we are already familiar with, and that helps to reinforce it. I think there's a bit of critical pedagogy because it invites challenge. It invites challenge, it invites discourse um, and sort of a cacophony of opinions. It feels like it has a critical approach built into it. I think there's a little bit of lies to children in here, uh, in that this is probably, you know, we're scratching the surface possibly of the philosophies of identity and ethics. I you know, wouldn't say that this is, this is all of it, but this is making it accessible. This is a, a gateway step where we could potentially go further into those subjects. So there's also a little bit of transformative learning in there, in that it's asking us to challenge our preconceptions. So it's presenting Mark and I, the student, with sort of dichotomies to make us critically reflect and evaluate our position on things. Um, you know, as I say, Mark and I, a little, little bit left-leaning, but we could have been terrible fascists. Um, and this could have been one of many, uh, many straws that broke the fascist back. And finally, I know it's not actually, you know, Montessori is more of a kind of a curriculum of anything, but it just uh, struck me as something that wouldn't be out of place, um, this kind of conversation in a Montessori institution, because it's, their ethos is very much about teaching people to be people and how to think and reflect and communicate. And yeah, I felt that, uh, that ticked that box. So that's, that was me going through kind of the hit list of the pedagogies we've covered so far and what I felt was reflected in there. And Mark, you were very quiet through all of that, which meant that either you've been shaking your head vigorously this entire time um, or you're building up the re response of a lifetime. Or you've actually not left me anything to say. <laughs> oh, what, really? No, I think oh, I'd agree with all of those. Um, I think another thing, the as you were going through, I was ticking them off going, yes, that's what I'd have said. Um, the other thing about, <laughs> or, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But um, the only other thing I was going to add was the other thing about the critical digital pedagogy stuff is – you know, it's treating people as more than just students. It's thinking about their whole life experience. And I think one of the things we often find in our jobs, and I wouldn't say that's true in my current one, 
but it has been the case because <laughs> they are they do have a lot of fun. It's the one of their things that they do at, at uh, DCAD at Durham is you know playful learning and things, and then that's that's enacted in the practice as well. So um, you know titting mm. about basically is a big part of the job. So and I think that's something that's achieved through this philosophy thing is. You know, it sounds like for a couple of hours on a Thursday afternoon, you're not just your job, whatever it is, it's you're being treated with your wider self and you're exploring ideas and you're talking about things that aren't work related. And I think that's that's gonna be beneficial because it just it just treats you more like a more rounded human being than just what it is that your job requires. Don't know if Dom's kind of talked about how that then ties back into the job. And it'd be interesting to think of ways in which that's changed what the job is. But I think, you know, that's the thing that stood out for me from all of those 30-something episodes that we've done that kind of lights that particular fire, I think, in, in, you know, in, 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 (laughs) Jesus, this is, this is what happens when you don't leave me anything to say. Just talk verbal bullshit. (laughs) Let me have another go again. Okay, let me have another go at that. Um, I'm, I'm keeping all of these in. Every, every last <laughs> one of these in. Not lights that fire. Come on, baby, Dom, light my fire. No, um, I think that's one of the things that. So, um, I think of all the things, the episodes that we've looked at and the things we've covered. I think that's the one thing that stands out as being relevant here. Is is you know that it's yes, it's learning. Yes, it's learning in different ways and and producing that kind of uh, expansion of the intellect in different ways. But it's that being treated like a human being specifically um, for a couple of hours a week. Um, in a more rounded way is, you know, I think that's the thing that stands out for me. I saw something many, many years ago. It was probably a, a quote on a JPEG on Facebook or something. And, you know, normally they sort of live, laugh, love donkeys. And you're like, oh, shut up. Um, but it's it was, attributed to Martin Luther King. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was um, the more of yourself you're able to bring to where you work, the happier you'll be. And that really stuck with me. Because I think it's just it's it's very true. Um, so actually, this is making me think we really need to cover playful learning at some point, because this is something that's very important to me just in my life. Um, but yeah, Dom, actually, if we can go to Mark's sort of question: How has it has has it changed your practice, your professional practice? Has it changed your relationship with your team? I mean, I've certainly gotten to know them better than you would do if you even even if you weren't only talking shop, even if you were engaging in. Uh, in small talk, you know, like, oh, you know, what are you doing this weekend? What did you, what are you, what are you watching at the moment? Like we do that as well. But, um, from, from this, because it, it is almost like a, a deeper dive into what people think and, and because it stimulates more discussion than, than small talk, which tends to fizzle out bef- uh, before too long. Uh, I do find that I get, I've gotten to know these people better as, as people rather than as team members, employees, et cetera. I mean, I'm anti-work uh, to an extent. <laughs> so the whole idea of being like, oh, this is valuable because it increases your productivity and your career. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's awful. But um, at the same time, <laughs> it's better than, than being disengaged as a person while you're at work, I suppose. But I think it's interesting that you said you haven't done playful learning on this podcast because... That's almost all, all, all. That's kind of, and I think Mark, you you used the the academic term of of titting about, because um, <laughs> I, th- I think that that's kind of what you you are doing with this podcast, isn't it? 
I yeah. mean, you're you're bringing the you're bringing the fun, you're bringing your personal interests, and then applying them, and therefore making it uh, making it interesting for yourselves in a you know in a in a way. Not that it wouldn't have been interesting anyway, but um, you know, making it fun to talk about, and therefore fun to listen to, and therefore uh, you know, like it, I enjoy listening to this because it's it makes it fun to learn because you're having a good time because you're talking about something that that I enjoy as well. So. Aww. Yeah, I think I think you know that it would be a bit too self-referential to do a do an episode about it because that that is what you do. If anything, actually, this was one of the reasons I really wanted us to cover fun philosophy because the, the, there's so many parallels. I've I've I feel like I have learned a lot by developing the show and editing the show and everything, and I feel like I get a lot out of the discussions that we have. I think I, I probably benefit a lot more than Mark in some of this. <laughs> Okay, so let's return to our question. How can two and a half years of pedagogic podcasting, that's 33 episodes, help us examine an amnesiac hitman? Mark? Well, I'm going to kick off by pointing out that there have only been 30 episodes. Oh, I've got 33 yeah, three of feet. those were little interloping things that I did that you let me sit piggyback on your oh, feed. Oh, yeah. But anyway, okay. No, I think actually looking back on what you did there, going through the episodes, we've really covered quite a few different things. I think... Overall, it's going to be, once we do a few more, it's going to be a really good analytical tool for looking at lots of different things. So, no, I think I think we've covered it there. Yeah, well done, Mike. I say, well, well done, us. We're bodged together sort of Swiss Army pedagogic knife that we're able to sort of vaguely mash into. Yeah, things, that's probably um, fairer. To see what, uh, what pings out. That's yeah. unpleasant. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> A misshapen knife that you mash into things. <laughs> oh no, misshapen like Swiss Army knife. So it's got like a corkscrew and everything, but like blunt at the end. And, and that thing for useless tool for getting things out of horses' out hooves. Of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's that's a common everyday problem that I uh, I run into. And for me, my answer to the question is that it's been very easy to apply three years of pedagogic podcasting to it because fun philosophy itself as an activity is really interesting it's multifaceted it displays a lot of kind of very positive characteristics that we would look for in a learning and teaching activity and it's benefiting dom and his team and it's helping them kind of have this wonderful social interaction that can help them uh, come closer understand each other more and develop it's also encouraging some wonderful kind of skills that we're always banging on about like uh, like independent thought and critical thinking so yeah two thumbs up so dom where can people find you on the internet if they so choose I've got uh, I've got a, a website which um, I, my art goes onto and occasional philosophy articles, uh, mostly art though, and that's um, domjordanillustration.com. Besides that, I mean I'm on I'm on Instagram if people want to do some digging. So where all the cool kids are, the gram, that and TikTok, I think. Not on TikTok yet, but it's because I can't floss. I'm I'm missing something it's there. The sort that's, of that's dance the, TikTok is meant for it's the backpack kid dance, isn't it? I yeah. also can't actually. Oh, the Fortnite thing. I've got, I've got um, crowded teeth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was just, that, if anything, that was an incredibly clever joke that just went by me on, at all angles. So, oh. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. You can subscribe to us if you so choose on all of your favourite apps, feeds, iTunes, Spotify, uh, and at our website www.pedagodzilla.com or actually just pedagodzilla.com. You can also follow us and get in touch via Twitter. I'm at pedagodzilla. I'm at Mark Childs. I'm at Dom A. Jordan. 
We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next time on Pelicanzilla. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. So, uh, before I bring the show to a close, any final thoughts, chaps? Uh, Yes, I've got one, Mike. Since we've got an illustrator on the podcast, why don't we, um, on one episode, get the person that did the album art for our podcast? (laughs) Gosh, Mark, it's funny that you should say that, because actually, the person who made the fabulous album art for our podcast is closer than you might think. Well, who is it, Michael? It is me. (laughs) It was Tom. (laughs) I did it. Wow. Tom did it. I've got it over my desk. <laughs> Does that actually work? Did you, did, did, you have an, did you have an end game with this, Mark, by the way? Then we just, the, the episode just ends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do it after the credits. Yeah, do, do, do it, do it, do it on the, as we.